the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The intersection of our faith and the world is a battlefield strewn with debris of a fallen world that challenges even the hardiest souls. And yet, this intersection is the context of our faith. As courageous Christian warriors, we must navigate this difficult terrain in our personal walk and as we seek to bring Christ to those who are lost and struggling. Welcome and thank you for joining us on Courageous Christianity, a radio show and podcast about real faith for the real world. I'm Richard Mendelo, and as always, I'm joined by and so grateful for my wedded wingman, Christy Mendelo. And as I say often, I'm so grateful to be here, but I'm going to add something this time. I'm super excited about this show. I think I'm always excited about the shows, but what we're going to talk about today is, um, and what the person we're talking about is really exciting because I think what our guest is doing is so in line, in line with um, our efforts with Courageous Christianity, and I just can't wait to see how that um, comes about in our conversation today. Absolutely. Uh, in preparation for today, I've actually been reading and uh, reading a lot from one of my favorite authors, A.W. Tozer. And one of my favorite authors, too. You introduced me to A.W. Tozer. Yeah, uh, He's just so fantastic, friends. If you've never read him, if you need something to spur you on, A.W. Tozer, his first book that I fell in love with was Pursuit of God. And the book with which I've been interested uh, the last couple days is Jesus is Victor. Mm. And I'd like to read you something from that book. It says this, Doctors warn us that we North Americans eat too much, drink too much, sleep too much, worry too much. More of us suffer from mental illness than suffer from major physical illness. We are selfish and self-centered. We want too many pleasures and too few responsibilities. We are 20th century Christians. Some of us are Christians only because it is convenient and pleasant and because it is not costing us anything. I'd like you to guess when those words were written. I don't I don't know if it would be fair, but, I, well, maybe I don't know. Yeah, you're I'm, the wrong person I, to ask gonna, because you already know. 1960s? So, friends... It should blow your mind. We think that we're talking about something that was said yesterday. Yeah. About our technological culture, about the Amazon culture that wants immediate gratification. But in fact, these words were written in 1961. I think I often say this to you when I'm reading Tozer, we're talking about Tozer. It's like, okay, these words that he wrote years and years ago, not much has changed. Absolutely. It's very sad. So what followed these words in 1961 was a decade of rebellion. In 1962, we saw the end of prayer in school as children were turned against their parents. Over the next 10 years, sex, drugs, and rebellion became the norm. People wanted rights but no responsibilities. And as children turned against their parents, 
the nation turned against God. When the bill came due for this behavior, rather than accountability or contrition, in January 1973, there was Roe v. Wade, the legalization of abortion, and the end of the draft followed days later. Neither personal accountability nor the accountability of national service would be tolerated by this rebellious generation. Well, the last of that generation is now running this country. In fact, mm. I think it would be more appropriate to say the last of that generation is now running this country into the ground. Yep, could say that. And so I wonder how things would look today if the Christians that Tozer described had stood firm in faith. Yeah. I wonder how things would look today if those Christians had come to Jesus not only for forgiveness, but also for equipping and encouragement as they dedicated themselves to standing firm in faith in a nation under God. I wonder how things would look today for our children. Finally, I wonder what we can learn from all this and how we can adjust our individual perspectives, our attitudes and thoughts, our feelings and behaviors, so as to stand firm in faith as others lie down. And our guest is going to help us with this wondering. Very special welcome. Uh, Matt Swigart is the founder and president uh, of Enhance Ministries, according to the Enhance Ministries website. His mission is to help followers of Jesus overcome lazy river faith through coaching, consulting, cohorts, connections, and community. Matt, did I pronounce your last name correctly? Close enough. Yeah, it's Swigert. Swigert. It's, it's all good. I've, I've had a variety of pronunciations over the years. <laughs> I'm sure you have, and we're so happy to have you on the show, and we're so looking forward to a robust conversation. Even if it's tough at times, even if we have to say hard things, friends, I hope what you'll hear is truth that creates awareness, that creates conviction and yeah. resolve. For and sure. before we get started, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we pray today for courage and for guidance. We pray to be lifted out of our complacency and to be brought to effectiveness in faith. We pray that we would not just be hearers of the word, but also doers. And we pray that whatever obstacles there may be to our full commitment in faith to Jesus Christ, they be removed. We ask that you bless this conversation, that you use it for your purposes, that all who hear may be encouraged to righteous action in the truth of your love and power. May all we say be glorifying unto you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. So, Matt, before we uh, get too far down the road, I just have to ask you, what is Lazy River Faith? Yeah, Lazy River Faith is a phrase that I've used probably for the last 18 years or so in ministry to describe or, or try to put words to what I've seen and what I fear is continuing to trend with uh, Christians who, you know, essentially kind of pray the prayer, uh, invite Jesus into their life, but then kind of just throw their tube into the lazy river of Christendom. You know, they, they, they kind of look and act like what they think Christians should look like and act like, and, and they, you know, they attend church, but they've really kind of lost the, the fruit-bearing element of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. 
and they kind of they're like I'm I'm in I my name's written in the book of life right like I I'm looking forward to heaven and I know that that's a promise but uh, not not really doing much with it when it comes to the kingdom it's a very passive uh, Christian walk when it comes to you know bearing fruit and living on mission for the Lord you know uh, as I hear you say that um. I guess, like our listeners, I feel a little defensive. I feel mm. like I have to defend my people, but at the same time, um, I know it's a problem, and we speak to it often, and I also know it's a perennial problem. So going all the way back to Isaiah, and that is 500 B.C., friends, that is 500 years before Christ— Verse uh, chapter 29, verse 13 says this, the Lord says, these people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. So we know that this is an easy trap to fall into. What are your thoughts on that? So we'll all jump in there. Sorry, Matt. (laughs) I was over here going, wait a second, I have a vision. (laughs) Wait, call me. Sorry, Christy. Uh, So I couldn't help but think about the actual lazy rivers that might be at hotels or even down here, Matt, you may not know, but down here in Texas, there's a little place called New Braunfels and uh, people throw that tube in and they kick back and they slowly ride the waves and it's relaxing and kicked back. And um, so I guess that's the image that I kind of got is they're, they're, they're just coasting along. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about that, man? Yeah. I, well, I'll be the first to admit, I love a lazy, a good lazy river. You know? <laughs> right. I, I Who doesn't? I the age in life where I'd take the lazy river over the water slides any day. Uh, <laughs> and, and I, Rich, I agree with what you say. I, I, it's a hard message to, to say and to, because for me, I, I mean, if I evaluate my own life, I probably would and am convicted that I'm in the lazy river far too much myself personally. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I'm, I'm always careful to say what I'm saying and try to find the appropriate level of conviction where each of us need to take, you know, like the Bereans in, what is it, Acts 14 or um, 17? Uh, where they they took what Paul said and went and tested it against Scripture, right? We all need to take this and and say, Lord, is that me? You know, looking, and there's a Scripture that I'll share here as we go, but as we look into that mirror, kind of like the, I think one of the most audacious prayers in all of Scripture, David says in Psalm 139, search me and test me, see if there's anything offensive in me. And that's like, that's crazy, but to kind of say, God, if this is me, uh, I want to know that, I want to repent from it and get out of it. So I'm sharing it uh, because it's true, not because I'm living it perfectly, you know? I think we're all on that journey. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Actually, what I heard when Christy was talking about, um, well, New Braunfels is when it came to me, what uh, President Kennedy said, like 1962 time frame, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. I think there's been such emphasis on the redemption offered by Christ. We sometimes think that we're the end goal of the church. The church is focused on us. Put me out. I'm on fire. Uh, you yeah, know, right. pull, pull up the anchor. I'm aboard. 
And that goes with what society says. But the truth of the matter is, Jesus came for us so that we could be there for him, so that we could be restored to works of service, a holy nation of priests set aside for special purposes. So I do think we have to be very careful of that. You know, the Marine Corps doesn't exist for Marines. Well, what I, what I heard in there is it's a relationship, and it's not relationships are two-sided, not one-sided. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Matt, I think something we've said on the show is God's unconditional love and redemption should uh, embolden you, and the rest of your life is your heart's response to that love. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, how did you come to this understanding of uh, Lazy River Faith? Well, over the last few years, I've been going through a little bit of a transition in ministry and in focus, and uh, started out in student ministry, and now I've been coaching youth pastors for the last nine or ten years, and, and shifting my focus with enhanced ministries to focusing more on coaching and caring for senior pastors and churches as a whole and other ministry organizations, and and trying to just do a little reflecting as I've gone through this, and what are the themes that God has continued to bring up in my teaching, in my study, in my personal life, the areas that I've grown as a man and as a husband and father and as a leader. And these, you know, the like, when I look back at a lot of my old sermon notes and message notes that I've given, the James one twenty two is a passage that seems to come up frequently, and that says, Do not be merely hearers of the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. I and love the that. phrase that I've been using a lot recently, especially these couple of years coming out of COVID-19, is that the pandemic that preceded COVID-19 is spiritual obesity. Mm. And we've had... We've had people, you know, kind of in the lazy river, right? And they've been yeah. going to church their whole lives, and they, they go to Sunday school, and they grew up in youth group and, you know, small groups, and they're listening to podcasts and all of that. And, and you know, 1 Corinthians 8 1 says, knowledge puffs up, but love grows up, right? They've been acquiring all of this knowledge, but the knowledge isn't frequently enough resulting in action or transformed life or an understanding of living on mission. Well, and that so is, we're, um, you know, our, our churches are filled, unfortunately, again, I don't want to dog too much, but just speaking like truth, our churches have a lot of people that are shaped like the blueberry girl from Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. You know, they've got hands and feet, but they're not, they're not doing enough. They're not, yeah. and, and I got to be careful too, is I'm not saying anything that's a workspace salvation or legalism or social justice gospel. This is just simply discipleship and missional living, bearing fruit. Um, and so I, I've kind of like been speaking this and sharing this for 25 years in ministry, uh, but really like refining it. The Lord's just doing some really cool things and kind of helping me refine it and, and being able to share it with, with churches and leaders. And I uh, had a chance to speak at the Northern Wisconsin State Fair a couple weeks ago uh, and gave this message. And it's really been cool how God has taken what, you know, the seeds that were planted 20-some years ago uh, to where we are now and this message that, that I'm getting to share. Well, that's fantastic. And... It makes me think about uh, Tozer again, and he said, God wants to deliver us from the easygoing, smooth, and silky, fat, and comfortable Christianity, so fashionable today. 
I hope we're willing to let the truth get hold of us, even at the cost of rejection or embarrassment. And we're going to talk about that after the break. Stay with us. God's word says that He loves a cheerful giver. You've probably heard that part of Scripture often quoted when it comes to tithing. Friends, we'd like you to consider your cheerful giving to God through Courageous Christianity. With your tax-deductible donation, you will be helping us achieve our mission to equip Christian men for the spiritual battlefield in order to glorify God and create godly change. No amount is too small. You can make a donation by texting any amount to 281-800-4940. That's 281-800-4940. Or visit CourageousChristianity.today. And for a donation of $25 or more, we will send you a signed copy of host Richard Mindelow's book, Right Makes Might, 40 Days to Courageous Christianity, a devotional that will equip you in your walk as a courageous Christian. If texting isn't a fit for you, you can also donate and find more information about the Courageous Christianity ministry, links to all the aired shows, a blog for Christian warriors, and an opportunity to submit prayer requests at CourageousChristianity.today. Please donate and be a part of sustaining our efforts in serving our Heavenly Father by serving His warriors on the spiritual battlefield. Please text to donate at 281-800-4940 or visit CourageousChristianity.today. God bless you. Friends, welcome back. You're listening to Courageous Christianity, and we're talking with Matt Swigert of Enhanced Ministries about Lazy River Faith. And Matt painted a picture of us accepting Jesus, jumping in an inner tube and floating down the river where a combination of church and pop culture take us, as opposed to a uh, a resolve that comes from our gratitude in the redemption offered to us by Christ and a heart's response, which says, in this gift, how can I now serve? And so we talked about uh, Christians, figuratively speaking, being smooth and silky, fat and comfortable, as is fashionable today. And so what I'd like to ask, Matt, is if we are on point, if we are uh, in the Word, uh, not just hearers of the Word, but doers, how does that look? How does that look for us, and how does that look for the world? You know, I think it's it's important even right now to pause and to acknowledge the goodness of God and the greatness of the gospel and the blessing of the hope that we have in eternity. And, you know, so I think there's a piece where we want to celebrate, like, yes, Jesus died for us. Yes, our sins can be forgiven, and those of us who have surrendered our lives to Him— have that promise, uh, but also understanding that I don't think the gospel, Jesus didn't come and die just so that we can go to heaven, right? There, if that was the case, then wouldn't it make sense that as someone surrenders their life to him, that they just get zapped out of here, right? If if heaven was the goal, as soon as they surrender, boom, they're gone because they, they achieved that. But the fact that we remain means that there's this exciting opportunity to be used as vessels for God's kingdom, to fulfill the mission that he has for all disciples, but then also the specific missions that we have, or he's given each one of us individually, uh, according to how he's gifted and wired us. And so 
there's a there's a gratitude piece that we get to celebrate, but it's got to go beyond that. And, you know, I look at uh, Mary and Martha in Luke chapter 10, right? And Mary in that moment chose what was right, to sit at the feet of Jesus. And, and you know, Jesus said to Martha, 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 you are anxious about many things. And in that moment, Martha chose poorly. But there's a point to where... And I think if we, we look at Luke 10 through the lens of John chapter 15, the, the vine and the branches, where multiple times in that chapter, Jesus says, abide in me, sit at my feet, right? Remain in me so that you will bear fruit or good fruit. And so we, we need to start with this concept of intimacy with Jesus and building that. And, and what, a, what a wonderful thing that is. And that we get to do going to church, fellowshipping, reading the Bible, worshiping, all these different ways that we get to connect with him. But that connection, I think, should, and I know his word is leading to this and, and leading us to it, but it, it needs to lead to an understanding of mission that we get to do this. Ephesians chapter 2, we weren't you know, saved by our good works, but we were created for them to go and do. And so intimacy has got to lead into an understanding of mission, which then means bearing fruit and, and just the joy that that is not for my name, but for Jesus, uh, the joy of knowing that heaven is being made bigger and hell smaller because of God's work through me, because of Jesus on the cross. And I think there's a thrilling aspect to that, that we get to press into as we, as we just kind of walk the path alongside Jesus uh, on our journey throughout life. Yeah, interesting. I heard two words that popped out in there. And I, uh, well, actually, I think a word you said, Matt, was I get to. And in Mm -hmm. my mind, I was also hearing what we probably say is I have to. I've accepted, I've accepted Jesus now. Now I have to go to church. And Mm -hmm. I've actually even worked with that changing that in my vocabulary and the use of it in my language, like, for example, the opportunity I have when I get to go teach versus I have to, because that's what God has called me to do. So I think it's a really important distinction that you're bringing out there. It's a huge point because for me as a Marine, when people often said to me, thank you for your service, I didn't really feel comfortable with that. Yeah. Um, Kind of odd. As far as I'm concerned, it's my honor. I wanted I was an immigrant. I I came to the United States in gratitude for what the United States offered my family. I wanted to serve. I didn't go to officer candidate school to become uh, an officer so that people would be focused on me. Patting you on the back. <laughs> I I came to serve. Right. And I went through hardship to be qualified to serve. And so I love the way you put that that I get to in this exciting opportunity. And that's us. We're the special operations branch of the Judeo-Christian family. And in Christ, it's amazing. Something I think I'd like to point out uh, for our listeners is sometimes when we say church, we're referring to a building where you go down the street and you go to church. And sometimes when we say church, we're uh, saying big C, like capital C church, as in the body of Christ. And uh, it's never wrong to have a Tozer quote, so here's another one. He said, The church is not simply a religious institution. It is not religious theater where performers are paid to amuse those who attend. It is an assembly of redeemed sinners, men and women called unto Christ, 
and commissioned to spread his gospel to the ends of the earth. And what you're saying is we get to do that. Yeah. That's exciting. amazing. Yeah, exciting. I wonder yeah. why why do we, Matt, why do you think that we live in the have to versus the get to? You know, I've thought a lot about that, and I think a, a piece of that is the the hardwiring. And I guess I'm going to answer that question personally. The hardwiring, probably for me personally, growing up in a pretty conservative culture uh, around my home and church. And they're, you know, I think children of the the 80s and, and 90s, like, uh, I, I just feel like that's what it what it always was. That was the message. Like this is what it takes to be a good Christian, you know, and check the boxes, right? And and it was a, a greater emphasis on don't do this. And you know, the the list of don'ts was way longer, you know, than I was comfortable with. It seemed like, and then there was all the do's, and it's like there's no way I can ever accomplish that. And there was like a almost a posture of hopelessness, and this like. I remember a few years ago, I was doing a uh, a Selah retreat, I call it. It's something I take pastors on. It's like the anti-conference. You know, instead of sitting and listening to people, it's let's sit and listen to God. And, and I just create spaces where we can be still. Well, one particular Selah retreat, I was walking around um, just the woods, kind of going on a walk. I had my earphones on and listening to worship music. And John Foreman's got this great song, White as Snow, um, written out of... Uh, Psalm 51, and, and the line in there, restore to me the joy of my salvation. And that, I, I had to pause the music, and I just stood still for probably 20 minutes in the middle of the woods, and just thinking about that concept of being joyful, like taking joy, like experiencing joy over the fact that the God of the universe loved me enough to come and die, right? Like, I, I've known Jesus my whole life, uh, and yet I don't I don't, or to that point, really, like, have ever sat down and thought about, I take joy in that. And so for me, it's like kind of rewiring the systems in my mind and my heart away from this is what it takes to be a good Christian. And, and it's a spreadsheet with boxes to check versus like, man, Jesus is, I believe he is who he says he is. I, I read all about him in the Bible, and I see who he is and what he called his followers to do, and I'm so grateful and joyful because of the gospel and its work in my life that I'm thrilled to be on the team, right? Like, I want to be in the game. I was, you know, an athlete growing up. Like, I hated sitting on the bench. Yeah. Uh, I, I love when I get to be in the game where the action is, you know, wearing the jersey and getting to be used by Jesus to advance his kingdom. Yeah. I had an experience with that. Uh, I left active duty in the Marines uh, in 1997, and I was not immediately in the reserves. And uh, when I left active duty, I was ready to be out. Yeah. I had, it was almost 10 years, and uh, I was kind of ready to see what the next chapter of my life would be like. I was about 30. And then I got involved in the reserves. Uh, almost a decade later, I was out. And I remember uh, I had orders to Iraq. Uh, 18-month orders, and I was reporting to Camp Lejeune in North Carolina for two months of training before I deployed to Iraq. And I 
was walking in the door of the bachelor officer's quarters with a camouflage uniform over my shoulder, walking through the same door as I had walked through in 1984. Mm. And I remember as I walked through that door for the second time, I asked God to help me to never take for granted ever again the opportunity that I had to serve my country as a Marine officer. And so I want us as Christians to thank God that we are ushered into his presence by his son and the sacrifice of his son, and we're reporting for duty. Friends, we're going to talk about that. Stay with us. They fought for our freedom and made sacrifices most of us can't imagine, and now our veterans need our help. Hi, friends. I'm Christy Mendelo, Richard's wingman here on Courageous Christianity. You've possibly heard us talking about Freedom Alliance on the show. It's an organization near and dear to our hearts. Freedom Alliance is healing the wounds of war, including the devastating emotional injuries that cause veterans to reject God's love. Freedom Alliance is saving lives and military marriages. They rehabilitate wounded heroes, donate customized wheelchairs to amputees, and provide college scholarships to the sons and daughters of military heroes. I hope you'll join us in supporting our combat veterans by donating to Freedom Alliance today. I urge you to visit freedomalliance.org to learn more about their mission. We at Courageous Christianity know the team at Freedom Alliance, and we've seen them do the Lord's work. They are committed to helping ordinary Americans who've done extraordinary things. Please go to freedomalliance.org to make a contribution that will change a hero's life. Friends, since we launched this show, Christy Mendelow has been my wingman on Courageous Christianity. To our message of courageous faith, she adds her invaluable perspective as a transformational coach. She's the walking embodiment of courage and compassion, and she brings this to bear on those going through divorce in her own show, The Divorce Coaching Hour, which airs Saturdays from 1 to 2 p.m. right here on 100.7 KKHT, The Word. For those who are struggling in their marriages, she brings hope with guests who speak to the myriad counseling options available. For those who are going through divorce, she offers invaluable technical assistance, And for those who are coming out of divorce, she delivers a unique perspective on the opportunity for growth and change. If you are, or a friend or family member is, struggling in a marriage, contemplating or going through divorce, you need a wingman. You'll want to tune in each Saturday to hear from Christy and her guests. One thing is for sure, as I have learned over all the shows on Courageous Christianity and personally, you can count on Christy for truth, for a faith-based perspective, for compassion, and for insightful guidance. Tune in each Saturday. She'll be there for you as well. Don't miss the Divorce Coaching Hour every Saturday at 1 p.m. on 100.7 FM, KKHT, The Word. Friends, welcome back. You're listening to Courageous Christianity. We're continuing our conversation about lazy river faith, the tendency we all have to come to Jesus and then get in the inner tube of modern-day faith and float down the river wherever it takes us, feeling like we got our foot in the water, and that's enough. I must say that I'm like thinking, hey, we need to take a little trip to New Braunfels. (laughs) Yeah, uh, a trip would be nice. Um, In the segment that just passed, we talked a little bit about how amazing it is to be able to serve And Matt had some great thoughts on the opportunities, and he used a great expression when he said, we get to serve as opposed to we have to. But what that leads me to is 
with that enthusiasm and the fact that we've come to Christ uh, probably at some point in our lives when we want change, why do we feel content to sit down in the inner tube then and just float along? It seems to me like we would be driven and uh, uh, on fire. Yeah. Matt, how does that work? Yeah, I think as, I, as I've been brainstorming and praying through that particular question, I came up with five different things that uh, I think are, are the greatest obstacles to fruitfulness, being a fruit-bearing follower of Jesus, getting out of the lazy river, losing all that spiritual obesity weight, things like that. Uh, and I think the first one is just simply comfort. Uh, as, as humans, especially as Americans, uh, comfort is something that our, our bodies and our society want and strive for. You know, I, I love my comfortable chair that I get to sit down in at the end of each day, you know, things like that. Like it's, it's something to be pursued and it's not that comfort is a bad thing, but when comfort is the only thing, uh, we're, we're going to, our, our focus is going to get more inward and, you know, I think about with comfort, you, you look at the church in Acts. You know, Jesus has said, go and be my witnesses in Ju- Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. There was a missional aspect to that. But for the first few years, there was, you know, it was, a, it was an approved, it was an acceptable sect of Judaism. And the church in Jerusalem kind of got fat and happy, you know. And the Lord introduced persecution, and, and that got people out of their comfort zone, right? It got them uncomfortable enough that then they scattered and took the gospel with them, right? And so too much comfort. Sometimes I pray, God, I don't want us to get too comfortable. I'm not particularly excited about persecution or any of that, right? But do what it takes to get your people kind of uncomfortable enough to where they uh, are are outward focused and moving rather than just self-focused. Okay, I think that's a very good point. If we go back to the Marine Corps metaphor, what if I'd have gone to officer candidate school and all we did was sit around? <laughs> that would scare <laughs> scare me a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it would have set it would have set the expectation in my head that this was going to be happy and comfortable. And uh, at no point am I bashing the church, uh, little building church, uh, where many are so engaged in the work of Christ. But in the same way as professional airline pilots debrief every takeoff and landing in hopes of compliance with federal and airline-specific regulations, in hopes of just doing it one little bit better. I think we as Christian uh, Christians and we as churches should never miss an opportunity to look into the mirror as we read Scripture, which guides us into the highest levels of effectiveness. So please, friends, don't hear bashing, don't hear criticism, but rather let's hear a debriefing opportunity where we can get real and we can say, um, yeah, you know what, I did have this expectation um, of comfort and I do need to uh, get off the sofa and get back in the fight that I was so excited mm-hmm. about in the first place. I think that's a real a real good point <laughs> to talk about the reality of the situation because you know that's what we're talking about here is real faith in the real world here and the fact of the matter is we do get kind of fat and happy and comfortable and that sort of thing. And so I said at the beginning of the show that I was excited about this conversation because so much aligned with what we do here at Courageous Christianity. And, you know, being courageous uh, requires us getting us getting out of our comfort zone. 
Yeah, and first and foremost, well, looking in the mirror and saying, okay, how can I change to do real. this better? Yeah, absolutely. All right, so you said five points. Yeah. That was number one. What's yeah. number two, Matt? That was the first one, and, and I, I use a line a lot when I lead mission trips, is it's only outside the boundaries of comfort that you really experience God move in transformational ways. Like, there's a, there's a reality to that, and our comfort zones expand as we experience new things. Now I'm more comfortable doing this because I've done it before. So we need to continue to press forward in our mission and and kind of moving the boundaries more and more so that God trusts us to do those things. So comfort is one. The second one is this picture of Second Corinthians chapter, chapter 5. Uh, Paul is saying this, and God is speaking it, and, and that we're called to be ambassadors, and ambassadors of reconciliation, right? And, and we are not of this world. We are, we are uh, of heaven. We are eternal, um, and we are just temporarily here. And yet there's this concept that, you know, we understand what an ambassador does. It goes to a foreign country and represents its home, uh, their home country in that foreign country. But What's an ambassador if they're not representing their home country? I, I would say they're just a tourist, you know? They're just oh, that's interesting. They're kind of being mm. and, and, and present, but not on mission. And so uh, an obstacle is we, we've kind of lost that, that understanding. And this is maybe combining in point three. We, we've lost the understanding of our mission. We've misplaced mission, uh, our mission as ambassadors. And we've maybe too much just become tourists enjoying this foreign country we're in rather than playing our role that we, that's been commissioned to us. Man, that's a wake-up call. Yeah. Okay. So if I heard correctly, that was point two and point three. We're ambassadors, but we've forgotten and we're not on mission. So technically we're tourists. We're like Marines that invade another country, and then we say, hey, look, this is cool. Let's check this out. <laughs> Again, aligned with Courageous Christianity. Okay, and then number three was we have forgotten our mission, or is that part of two? I'm, I'm very yeah, numerically was, oriented. Can you mission. tell? Yeah, we, we've just kind of Yeah, let's speak in it, our it, language. In our back pocket somewhere. Yeah. All right, not, so on the front of our mind. I got it. We, What's we number kinda, four? We kind of talked about this a second ago, but I, I use a, a, a line that, you know, the church is, for a lot of Christians, the church has become a refuge from the world. And, you know, the picture I get in my head is when, when I say that is some of the, you know, you think about like Lord of the Rings or some of the other medieval time movies, you know, where the bad guys are attacking and all the villagers are running into the walled city, right? And unfortunately, you know, there's a lot of bad and negative in the world, and we need a safe place. We need a place to go and be surrounded and cared for and, and all of that. But the church wasn't designed to be a refuge from the world. It was designed to be like your Camp Lejeune experience, to, to be a training ground and a proving ground and, and a learning ground to be launched back out into the world to fulfill the mission that Jesus gave us in Matthew 28 with the Great Commission, Acts 1-8, you know, and, and really the rest of the New Testament, like to go and, and be salt and light, right, to go and make disciples. And so the, there's a, an obstacle is this understanding that, oh, I, I got to go to church to be, um, to be protected from the world. And there's a point to where that happens and that that's good. But if we stay in the refuge, we will never accomplish our mission. Friends, uh, I, I really think that's a brilliant point, Matt. I had never put it together like that. But as I think about it, Christianity is countercultural. 
And the more messed up society gets, the more threatened we will feel as Christians. And having been uh, deployed in uh, enemy territory in bad guy country where you live on a little combat outpost with sandbag bunkers and then you go out and you do missions, boy, it sure is nice when you come back to your little cop, your combat outpost, and a helicopter brings some food and some water and you have a semblance of a shower or you use uh, wet wipes for a shower. And (laughs) man, it would be very easy to just want to stay on that combat outpost. But we have to forsake that comfort, but we got there honestly. So I think that's a really brilliant point. And I think the more the world is uh, messed up, then culturally, the more we'll need that. And so uh, I would like to introduce this idea. Most of my last few years in the Marines were spent looking at safety culture and culture writ large. And there's a thing we talk about in safety called normalization of deviation. It's when you do a shortcut and you get away with it. So the next time you're really likely to do that shortcut again and you get away with it. And then the next thing you know, you're doing these shortcuts all the time. And then the next thing that happens is called drift, where in an organizational culture, what might have been your initial intention or your initial rules or your initial SOP gradually drifts to this culture of corner-cutting, comfort-seeking expedience. And that's why the debrief is so important. When you stand and look in the mirror and you use scripture to call yourself to task and either we will correct ourselves or we will be corrected by God. He will shake loose uh, whatever it is we're hanging on to. So friends, we're going to talk about this in the final segment. Stay with us. Recently, Ryan Reed was a guest on Courageous Christianity, and we want you to know more about his jiu-jitsu gym. Gracie Jiu-Jitsu is a place where you'll find good people and great jiu-jitsu. Whether you are training to learn self-defense, to get in shape, looking for a new hobby, or want to compete, Gracie Jiu-Jitsu in Huntsville, Texas has something for you. Log on to GracieUmaitaHuntsville.com to learn more and to get your two-week free trial. Log on to GracieUmaitaHuntsville.com today. Did you know that about 25 million Christians don't vote consistently? That's about one in three Christians, and that's a staggering and unfortunate amount. Many Christians stay home on Election Day because they think their vote won't really make a difference. But what if 90 million Christians stood united for Christ? We could have a real influence on our nation. God's Word clearly calls us to bring the influence of our faith into every aspect of our lives. We here at Courageous Christianity, along with My Faith Votes, want to see Christians boldly standing united for Christ. My Faith Votes is a nonpartisan organization that mobilizes and equips believers to pray unceasingly, think biblically, and vote in every election. Even though the recent elections have passed, now is the time to join with us and My Faith Votes to pray, think, and vote in all future elections. Go to MyFaithVotes.org to learn more about voting your faith and to stand united for Christ. Friends, welcome back. You're listening to Courageous Christianity, and we are talking about Lazy River Faith. We're talking about Christians uh, in an alien world. Uh, We are eternally natured, and we are in this place of the temporary, and we likened it to a combat outpost in the middle of uh, Afghanistan. For me, that's what I was picturing. And we've come back to the combat outpost after a very hard 
uh, mission, and now we just want to stay there. We want to be comfortable. The world is an aggressive place, so we want to seek the refuge of church, and church needs to help us. And so church now has become about the business of uh, helping Christians get back on their feet, and uh, it's kind of been this downward spiral, and we've forgotten about the mission. It seems like church is more about me than Jesus. Right. So uh, Matt said that he had five points when I asked him why uh, it was that we have had difficulty with maintaining resolve and staying focused on mission, and we covered four points, and now I'm very excited to hear the fifth. We left them hanging at the last segment. They're coming back for number five. (laughs) All right, Matt, I hope it's not an (laughs) anticlimax. Yeah, no, I think this will be a good one. And actually, this is one that that will let will let each other off the hook a little bit because it's not uh, it's not something that that we've chosen. But number five is just uh, as an obstacle that we have to try to overcome in getting out of the lazy river and bearing fruit is the perceptions that the world has about Christians and about the church. And Barna came out with a book called Unchristian a number of years ago, but I think a lot of the things that they said in there are probably still true or maybe have even continued to swing further, uh, you know, that Christians are perceived as being, uh, you know, hypocritical and all we want to do is, you know, convert them or too political or things like that. And, and so when we're going out and trying to love and serve and reach the lost, uh, that an obstacle is that for many people, there's a church wound. There are perceptions that they have that we're not, you know, Jesus isn't an unknown or a neutral in many cases. And I know I've interacted with hundreds of people like this, but in many cases that we're having to build back to neutral uh, before they'll even, you know, be open to hearing about God's love and hearing about the transformative a power of the gospel and the freedom that comes in that. And so uh, it's, a, it's an obstacle and a challenge, but that shouldn't keep us from uh, wading into those waters, you know, and uh, giving our best to try to, to try to show God's love to those people. So that's a, that's a big one. I'm curious what you guys think on other obstacles that you've seen or heard about over your years. Well, I'm just thinking back on that point five is that's where courage comes in to to get off that inner tube and step out and walk yeah. out of that water and, and move forward with courage. Yeah, courage and forgiveness, because what I hear in there is a person who has come to Christ seeking a new self, and necessarily they want to put off the old self, which means there's some things about the old self that they don't like, and they want change. And they come to Jesus seeking change and forgiveness. And how now, as the recipient of forgiveness, can you come to church and be unforgiving of the people Mm -hmm. around you? So uh, a news bulletin is that churches are made up of people. Yeah, go figure. (laughs) People are messed up. And uh, this is an imperfect world, and we are fallen uh, and uh, subject not just to a sinful nature, but also to the overt uh, attacks of the devil. And so what I would ask is that we understand nobody's perfect. Uh, We're all just trying to walk each other home. And uh, Mm -hmm. I heard uh, Brother Jim describe it. He said, I'm just one beggar trying to tell another beggar where to find bread. Yeah. 
And uh, God bless us all. So what I would say in that, uh, in response to your point number five is, let us be um, forgiving of each other. And so uh, before I ask you to wrap it up, I just want to sum up five reasons why we have trouble and why we sometimes get off mission are, number one, we're comfort-seeking, and that makes sense. Uh, Number two, we are ambassadors, but sometimes we become tourists because we get distracted by the world. Number three, we forget the mission. Uh, Number four, we come to church seeking a refuge because the more our faith brings us into conflict with the world, the more we need uh, succor and care. And number five, that sometimes the perceptions we have of other Christians lead us to not want uh, much to do with them and also to question Jesus. So, Matt, as we wrap that up, any final thoughts? The, the final thought that I've got, and this is kind of like a coach, you know, let's, let's call it the halftime talk, right? Final thought I've got is just picture in your mind uh, standing before the Lord and hearing, well done, good and faithful servant. I love it. And that picture for me motivates me to give my very best in hopes and and hopefully in confidence, but in hopes that I will hear that. And the opposite being, you know, when Jesus kind of warned, many will stand before me and, and say, Lord, Lord, but he'll say away from me, I never knew you. And there are people that know a lot about Jesus, but don't, don't live how he wants, don't live the mission how he wants. And and I don't want to go too deep into that type the theology of that, but even that statement alone uh, motivates me and nudges me to be the good, the good servant and to be able to step into eternity and celebration with him for his glory. Like all these things that, that I did that he used me for is for his glory. And the crown Amen. that I will receive someday, whatever it is, is for him. It's all about Jesus. And, and so again, that intimacy leading into understanding mission than to doing it uh, with that vision in mind. Amen. I love that. Well done, good and faithful servant. Friends, that's the truth. As you know, in every show we have a moment of truth. And I took our moment of truth today, the scripture which informs our discussion from Enhanced Ministries homepage. And it's from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. And it says, So Christ himself gave the apostles the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And I think that was verses 11 through 14. I may have misspoken. Friends, we are all different by God's hand. We're not different because some corporation says diversity is cool. We're not different as part of some hippie effort to be different. We're different because God made us differently and for different purposes. And when we trust him, our God will use us to change the world. What makes it all work is when we each focus on Christ in a meaningful way, which leads to personal transformation. And then we submit ourselves, our gifts, our dreams, and our resources to him for his perfect use in service to the kingdom of God. He was here for us so that we could be here for him. Let us now do the works for which we are meant. And so from Enhanced Ministries' website, I took this poignant statement. It says, 
Our vision is to see local churches, their pastors and the individuals and families within, truly making a noticeable, practical kingdom impact on their communities, all flowing out of the heart that is intimately following Jesus. And so as we wrap up today, let me leave you with this. A.W. Tozer said in 1961, In our present time, however, there is little recognition of God's sovereignty or of his plan for his redeemed people. Go into the marketplace, into our educational institutions, and yes, even into our popular religious circles, and you will find a growing tendency to make mankind large and to make God small. And what I would say is if you look to the graveyard of history, which is littered with the bones of those who thought themselves bigger than God, you will see the Greeks. Would they ever have believed that their thoughtful humanistic civilization would pass away? And you'll see the Romans. Could they have believed that their powerful far-reaching empire would be toppled from within? Did the Egyptians conceive of their fall or the Nazis? They all thought our God was small. And so they went their own ways. We must be careful not to do the same in honest self-reflection because the stakes are so high, I think we should all ask, what do we have in common with them? And if we're truly transparent and vulnerable, I'm sure the answer could be the same. Sometimes we think our God is small, and so we go our own ways. Friends, make no mistake, our sovereign God will shake us from this fantasy as he did those long-broken civilizations. He is in complete control, and joyfully, thankfully, we are his. So let me ask you a few questions. Are you fully committed to Christ, or do you find yourself holding back? Do you truly trust him? How are you using the resources he has given you? What are your unique gifts? And how can you bring those gifts to bear more effectively? To reflect honestly on those questions and to make changes accordingly is our greatest offering to God, because in this we offer ourselves, and that's courageous Christianity. So Matt, thank you very much for being with us. I would like to ask if somebody is interested in Enhanced Ministries, how do they find you? Yeah, our website is enhancemin.com, and... My email address is matt at enhancemen.com, and I would love to connect and, you know, obviously opportunities to serve and to share and to coach and whatever. Uh, one of my postures with the Lord is, God, my answer is already yes. You tell me what, what the question is or what to do. <laughs> I mean, it's a yes, sir posture and, and grateful for that. So any, any contact, I look forward to, to hearing from any of your friends. I love it. Friends, remember this. Tiger Woods has a golf coach. And so wherever you are, you can always do better, and sometimes it takes an outside perspective. Matt Swigert with Enhanced Ministries could be that for you. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you'll join us each and every week here on 100.7 FM, KKHT, The Word, in Houston, Texas, at kkht.com, or on your favorite podcast app. You can also find us on our new website, CourageousChristianity.today. We're honored to walk with you in Christ. God bless and simplify.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.